In less than a week, Kansas City, Missouri voters will decide the fate of the biggest public construction project in the city's history, a new terminal at the Kansas City International Airport. Who's winning? Who's losing? Why? What's at stake? Kansas City Star reporters take you inside the campaign for answers. I'm Dave Helling of the Star's editorial board, and you are on Deep Background. Joining me now to talk about the first part of today's conversation is my friend and colleague uh, Eric Adler with The Star. Eric, great to have you on the podcast. Hey Dave, good to be here. Uh, we're talking about the airport, of course, and right. in a few minutes we'll talk to uh, Bill Turk and Steve Vockrod about the politics of it. But you actually had a, an interesting and I think a really important assignment, which was to go out and sort of take a look at other airports of similar size yet right. younger age right. and make some measurements about how convenient or inconvenient, 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 is. inconvenient truth. That's right. Right, right. So tell me what you did and what you found. Yeah, so I mean, the idea was pretty simple. And uh, I, I think it, it came from a, a number of places. First of all, it, it came from the place in, in, in which People locally obviously fly out of KCI, and when they fly out of KCI, I think a lot of times they go to much bigger airports, whether they go to Atlanta or LAX or to O'Hare or whether to Denver, and in some ways they're probably in their minds, whether they know it or not, comparing their experience at KCI to what they see at these, yeah. these mega airports. And that comparison, I think, is, is unfair, and we thought that was unfair. Particularly since you're co- often connecting in those airports. Right. So those you're running are, from gate to gate, and you've got the big crowds and all right. that. Right, it's stuff. the most familiar in their minds, right? And they, they look right. at some place like Atlanta, which has 104 million people coming in and out <laughs> of that every year. It's, you know, it's the busiest right. airport in, in the United States. I mean, right. people might think it's LaGuardia or something in Boston or L.A., nope. or even but it's not. It's Atlanta. And they say, well, gosh, I don't want that kind of airport. And we thought, well, what is it really that we would get here? And so we sort of, we took a look at all medium-sized airports around the size that KCI would be if this vote gets approved. And we looked at this, and we looked at one issue primarily, which was, would this be a convenient, as convenient as, as it is now? And because if there's anything about KCI, I think we all sort of agree that it's not the most beautiful airport on the planet, but it is efficient. Right. And, uh, and was in. designed to be efficient. It, I mean, yeah, that was the yeah. whole point. It, it was is, a great design for, right, for right. its day. And you walk in there and you walk out of there and you think, gosh, how could this be How could this be any easier? It's almost like walking into your own garage and into your own car and then going home, right? But we thought, well, so what, what if they do build new? And did they do build bigger? Are those airports that have already built something newer – uh, any less efficient or significantly less efficient than KCI or or convenient. And so what we did is we looked at a bunch of medium-sized airports and settled on uh, three. And we settled on Indianapolis International Airport, um, as I recall, built in 2008 for like $1.1 billion, which I think got them a, a right. lot in 2008 at the at the beginning of the and their traffic downturn. is roughly equivalent to what happened a little, little less, less than little Kansas less City. about at nine million this year or so right. um, and so we went there and then we went to uh, Raleigh Durham which actually they have two terminals but really one for all intents and purposes their terminal two that carries 90 percent of the passengers out of there and is new as of I, I think also 2008 or no finished in 2011. It was done in phases. Carries about 11 million people. Has about the same number of gates that KCI would have in this new plan. And then we went to Fort Myers, Florida, Southwest um, 
Florida International Airport down near Fort, near the in the Gulf, right there on the right. edge of the thing. And again, carries about the same amount of people, has the same amount of gates. How efficient are they? And we did this whole fun thing where we carried a little pedometer and a stopwatch, and we counted how many steps it took to go from short-term parking um, into the terminal, and then to check our bag and to. Uh, get our ticket at a little kiosk or, you know, I think we did kiosks at all of them and then to walk through TSA and to the gate and, you know, what did that take? And to be honest, they were all pretty much the same. Yeah. Um, Well, we should point out, shouldn't we, Eric, first that a complete apples to apples comparison is almost impossible because you're there at different times. You're going to different places. I mean, people... You know, sometimes look at this and go, well, well, now, wait a minute, you went, you were there at two, and if you'd have been there at four. Right. But but what you were trying to do, which I think is so important, is recreate kind of what the normal experience would be and then reach some judgment for that. And yeah. what you found was some differences, but no real outlier. There was nothing in the in the way you looked at this that said, well, boy, something really bad happened in Fort no. Myers or whatever. No. They were all roughly within the range of what you expected yeah, they were to be. Yeah, roughly within the range of, a, a, an, you know, the, the same experience at all the airports. And in fact, you know, if one wants to take issue with the story we did, I would say that the story was tilted in the favor of the old KCI more than it would be the mm-hmm. airports that we went to because we went we didn't go there we didn't go to the southwest gate at 6 a.m. which apparently has a line that can can absolutely just you know course down the entire right. uh, terminal and and so we didn't have that gigantic long wait there we had a pretty minimal wait at I think at night nine o'clock in the morning right. um, and so our numbers may not be complete completely comparable, but I think they were in terms of, of again, sort of the, the, you know, the regular person who goes out there and flies. We, we didn't set up any specific times. We just sort of went and flew. And nor did we go to, you know, at the height of Indy's times or the height of Raleigh's right. times or the height. So these were, yeah, I think they were pretty much apples. Right, right. And, apples. and I guess the reason I bring that up is the, the concept of convenience itself is rather slippery, isn't it? I right, mean, it depends sure. on a lot of factors, and it isn't just, although you measured steps to the gate. Right, and it, right. The, it, 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 it's a broad thing, isn't it? Right, Mary? right. I, I mean, I, I, we tried to measure, you know, as best what, we could. What's measurable. Yeah, what's measurable, which is how many steps did it take you, how much time did it take you to get right. from A to B. For instance, people could argue well, like our experience coming out of KCI couldn't have been more, <laughs> more <amazing>. spectacular. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't think we could have gotten out of KCI any faster had my car been parked at the foot of the plane and had a butler hand me my bag. You know, from the time we left KCI to getting my bag to getting out of the terminal was literally a minute and a couple seconds. And then had we walked to the middle of, of short-term parking, it would have taken three minutes. I mean, it was an unheard of kind of convenience. Um, but, you know, that's not typical. I mean, we don't, we don't always get our bag. Our bags aren't always work. You know, just sitting there. Uh, sometimes we have to wait. So we didn't actually count all of that. Like how much? You know, is your bag the first one to come out? Is it the right. last one to come out? Is it in the middle? And so yeah, you know, given some leeway, I think it's still a pretty fair comparison. Now give us some sense of, uh, you know, once we you get past convenience, what was it like? What what are these airports like? I mean, I think a lot of people look at the pictures. But yeah. may not fly a lot, and they may say right. what they have a hard time visualizing what the terminal will be. Yeah, what KCI will be, what or the KCI ones that we will went. be. And okay. I'm just trying to get a sense from you of did you walk into Indianapolis and go, wow, this is pretty amazing? Yeah, or did I mean, you well, walk <laughs> into Fort Myers and go, well, this isn't all it's cracked up, okay. or whatever? Yeah, okay. Now, this is opinion, right? Sure, this is just sure. completely subjective. Sure. Um, 
it's hard not it's hard to walk into Indianapolis and be anything other than impressed. I mean, it's this 1.2 million square foot jewel box of a of an airport. I mean, you walk out of it and you're just surrounded by you know great places to eat and it's all full of light and right. and you know. How does it work? Is it a, it's a I assume it's a big sort of terminal with with ticket counters and amenities and then you funnel through to yeah yeah to so the gate. so I mean if you if you want to. India, for, for, for real like, nerds out there, Indianapolis <laughs> Airport looks like the, uh, a top view of the Starship Enterprise, pretty much. You know, you have this, you have this big giant disc, right, the, 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 the big round part of the Starship right. Enterprise. And then you have these two, whatever, the thrusters, I guess, going off the side. <laughs> and those are the concourses, right. right? So you come into any one of those and you walk through those. They're filled with, you know, restaurants and spas and, and other places. And gates. And plenty of gates. Right, uh, Forty right. gates, I believe, in that airport all together. And then you walk into a central, um, you know, glass filled, and I I don't know how tall the the roof is, probably, you know, a hundred feet or something like that. Just this dome of glass with art all over the place and and a central place to eat and and have, you know, do whatever you want. And then you walk out and then, you know, baggage is downstairs as it would be at KCI. You know, you sort of come to the airport from the top a roadway that brings you up to the top, and then you leave down below, and you go out to a giant parking deck that's right, right. out there, and get to your car. And it's very similar to what KCI would be. Basically, I mean, KCI yeah. has more of a T concourse yes. yeah, idea yeah. than two sort of parallel. Yeah, KCI is sort of like a sideways thrusters. H, right? <laughs> right, it's, right? It looks right. like an H turned on right, its, right. and turned one of its long sides. So you would come into KCI at a central terminal. Go. My understanding is go through. Um, a single TSA checkpoint or one or two, whatever that's multiple, uh, you know, machines, but right, yeah, a central a giant, funneling device. Yeah, yeah. One giant, which, which is a lot like actually, um, Raleigh is exactly like that. You walk into a central terminal and there's ticketing and then there's just one giant place to go through security, which took us like a couple minutes right. because there's so many gates open. I mean, there was like five, eight to ten right. gates. Right. And I know. think Kansas City's plan is for 12, or at least that's what I heard okay. at one point. So, right, yeah. right. And so you just funnel through there, and then at uh, Raleigh, you would come out, and it sort of looks like an airplane wing. You just go either to the left or the right, and those are all the gates Right. Uh, with some moving sidewalks to, to hasten your way. Here's... Uh, and then, and then, oh, Fort Myers was similar as well, but it sort of looks like a trident instead of two or three. It has three prongs. And each one of those prongs had its own TSA gate um, you would go through. But again, they were all simple, all easy, all light and airy, and it's plenty of places to move around. You know, they're also, the model is really, people don't get this when I talk about it, but the model is really Union Station in Kansas City, where you have a big, great room. Right. And then the North Waiting Room is where people would go to take, right. to get, right. I mean, it, you're not really right. reinventing the wheel here, no. you're just doing it in a... 21st century design, which is yeah. glass and air and light and right. art and all the other stuff that so goes with it. So since it's a podcast, I will give you my my own personal right. well, impression sure, of sure. these places. So um, India is about 1.2 million square feet. Um, the proposed KCI is going to be 753,000 square feet, which is significantly, it's 60% the size or 40% less big than Indy. Indy, as nice and as large as is not that big. Uh, it doesn't take that long to get through it. I mean, it really, it took us like four minutes to get from my gate at the far end of one of its concourses to move through the central area, get to baggage and out there. Four minutes. Yeah. And that's, uh, you know, 
60, whatever, you know, 40% larger than the KCR we're going to get. And then we went to Raleigh. And as soon as you step off the plane in Raleigh, you realize you're in a much intimate airport. That in itself is bigger than KCI. That was 900,000 square feet. And then we went to Fort Myers, which is about 800,000 square feet, still bigger than KCI. And those later two airports are small. I mean, they're intimate little you know, friendly, right. tiny airports. And, and my own impression is that should this pass uh, and we build a billion-dollar airport, I think people are going to be, right now they're complaining, like, well, we don't want to be in some gigantic airport. Uh, they're, not getting, be, uh, right. they're not getting a gigantic Well, airport. and part of that is, you know, I think in your story, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, at 750,000 square feet, it's about the size of B and C yeah, together right, today. Right, those two curved, right. uh, the, the area and, of those put together. And, and B and C are are sort of gates simplified. There is no central gathering place. That's right. the whole point. That right. It is the Ur gate, you know. I right. mean, so add, all it is is gates. Exactly. So add those two together, add sort of a central area that you would gather, that you would go through TSA. A funnel place. Right, and then you have the, the prongs of the uh, concourses, and you're not talking a really... A big spot. Yeah. Having said that, though, I've said this on the radio last night. Kansas Cityans are going to have to get used to walking just a little bit a little longer bit. than so, normal. You know, so I you're mean. going to be walking through the center part of this H, and that's 800 feet uh, with some moving sidewalks. So, you know, here's the deal: I I walk at about 200 feet a minute. So you're talking a four minute walk, right. but they're going to have moving sidewalks. And so what, cut that down to two and a half or to right. three, whatever. Yeah, there's going to be a little bit more distance. I mean, it's like walk. walking from home plate to the center field fence and back again. That's about 800 feet. Yeah. And it seems that seems like, well, that's a really, really long yes, way. But yes. I think that these moving sidewalks would help that. Um, but, yeah. but, but I guess my point was, if you define convenience as simply how long you have to walk, it's going to be hard to get away from KCI because of the way the old one, because of the way it was built. It was built so that you had to walk 20 feet. Right, or whatever. and here I don't want people to misunderstand. I've always loved KCI. I mean, I oh, I grew most up of us at, have. Yeah, I mean, I there's nothing wrong with KCI in my mind the way that it has always worked. Right, um, I think it's also a bit deceptive though. I mean, because it's curved, you never feel like you're walking all that far, but there are times where you park and then you enter KCI at one part of that terminal and you're walking that entire you're right. walking that entire arc to the other side and you're walking hundreds of feet to get to some right. other The other, other point I've always made about KCI is it's convenient in part because you have security stations at almost every gate or collection of gates, right. five or six gates. Right. Well, you would never build an airport like that today. It's mm. just inefficient. You have so many extra people that you have to hire and so exactly. many more machines yeah. you have to deal with. And so by default, because that wasn't envisioned when the airport was built, you have a convenient situation that's not really sustainable over time. No other airport would really yeah. go yeah. through that sort of expense and difficulty and potential security risk of having that many different places. You to know, and through. I think some, in some ways, again, we're just chatting here. Yeah. This is not, and so some of this is my personal opinion, but, um, and I was really sort of up in the air on whether or not I would support this or vote for it. Or right, I mean, right. I, like most people, right. I really like, I like the way KCI works for me, et cetera. Else. But, Outside of convenience, there is some people have made the argument, and we talked to people at different airports who were flying into KCI who were from Kansas City, either from the suburbs or not, and they said, listen, KCI is sort of a world-class kind of convenient airport. 
perhaps no more convenient or a little more convenient than existing airports. Their argument would be, and, I, and it's, it's hard not to argue this, is, um, you know, at some point when people are coming to your house, which is Kansas City, and you want to show the place off, um, the, the least you can do is put on a clean shirt, you know, like the least you could dress yourself Correct. up a little bit. Like if you want to attract new businesses or people who are Correct. going to be interested in Kansas City. Particularly because KCI is so far away. It's far I mean, away, if you have right. to travel into downtown and you land in an airport that seems substandard, yeah. Uh, in whatever, however you want to judge an airport, and then you have to find a cab or an Uber or whatever. You leave in the same lane, so that's yeah. a little weird, and your car rental is a little weird, right. and then you end up driving thirty minutes downtown. That, that you know, you, and then you yeah. compare that to an Indianapolis or a Fort. Right, Myers. and if you don't know Kansas City, and you're yeah. thinking, "Hey, do we want to move our business here to Kansas City?" And you come into KCI as it is now, you, you think like, "Well." Okay, they don't really have a whole, you know, the city doesn't yeah. have enough going on to even build itself a, a cool airport or something but that do, shows but do you, itself. Did you off, find you know? in those other cities that there was an appreciation of that oh, among okay, the so people there? So, That's what so I think is interesting. We got into Indy. Oh yeah, people, especially Indy, people love, absolutely love that airport. But then you think, well, that's their own right. folks, right? So we went to the hotel, and um, you know, after we spent the whole day at Indy, went to this hotel pretty close nearby. Woke up in the morning, had the breakfast you have at the at the little restaurant. Right, right. And a guy walks in, and he's meeting somebody for a business uh, meeting. A young guy, and he's meeting an older guy. And he says, hey, you know, how'd you sleep? How's it? Oh, I just got in, just flew in from New York. And he says, so, um, you know, how'd it go? He goes, yeah, yeah, it was fine. He goes, hey, that's some great airport you yeah. have. It's the first thing the guy said. That's some yeah. The guy was like, yeah, yeah, that's pretty, that's a pretty amazing. Yeah. He was like, yeah, that's And that's the argument, airport. really, people, sort of the fundamental argument people are making about KCI is, after 50 years, you need to take a look around and see, do we need a new suit of clothes or not? You know, and, and I think that, and maybe yeah. your story sort of addresses, you can have the, a new set of clothes that is you know, just as stylish and just as, as uh, yeah. convenient, if you will, than I mean, other It's a big suits. question whether or not, you know, I mean, sure we're talking about a change here. So, and it's uh, an expensive change. We shouldn't. Right. I've told people repeatedly, a billion dollars is nothing to sneeze at. Even if you borrow it over 30 years, right. it's the biggest public improvement project in city history. Right. And, but, and, and I guess the point of our story was, or my story with yeah. Shane Kaiser, our photographer, was if your concern is, I don't want to lose that KCI convenient experience, I, I think we showed about as objectively as we possibly can like that. And it wasn't our purpose to go out and show that. Right. We could, have like, could have been horrible. Could have been horrible. You know, KCI still did better than some of these airports, right? right. Not right. appreciably so, but, but a little but, better. But they did. But they a little did. bit better. Yeah. Um, but that you're not losing, you're not going to lose much. Right. Um, People aren't going to come home and go, boy. Right. If that's on your, if that's at the top of your concern list, like it's not going to be convenient, I'm going to have to walk a long way, I'm not going to get in there as in, in and out as quickly as me. You can check that off the top of your list. It's going to be fine. It'll yeah. be, and it's not going to be massive. It's just not. They're not that big. Yeah. Um, you know, for whatever that's worth, that's, that's, that's what, what we found. found. That's what we found. Eric Adler with the Star, thanks so much. I would recommend before we uh, take a break here that people go to uh, the website and look at your video and read your work because oh, it was really yeah. – the video was particularly compelling, but the but the but the graphics and the other stuff in the story just told an important part of this discussion. And so I appreciate yeah. you being with us on no, the podcast. No, it's my today. pleasure. Thanks, okay, Dave. when we come back, we'll talk with Bill Turk and Steve Vockrot about the politics of the KCI vote. Stay with us.
Okay, joining us now are two of the reporters who've spent much of their time chasing the KCI story over the last couple of months. My good friend Steve Bachrot with The Star and colleague Bill Turk joining us at the deep background table. Thanks, guys. Thanks for having us. You know, we've been yakking for 10 years one way or another, Bill, about a new terminal at KCI. But I'm interested on your take. You're relatively new to the story. Does the campaign, does the issue make any sense to you, or or is it unfolding in a way that's a little uh, bizarre? I think the campaign itself, the discussion makes sense. Uh, I started thinking about this this morning, and it's really, it's like, it's like that very comfortable but ratty old couch that you have that your wife is insisting that you get rid of. <laughs> and you really like it because it's so comfortable, but you also know in the back of your mind you probably probably needs to go. Right. So that's, that's kind of how I look at that. But you don't get the sense that uh, Kansas City, we're a week away, less than a week away, is engaged in a way that they might uh, on other issues. Uh, maybe that's because the airport is a weird thing. It fits into the city's infrastructure in a weird way. It isn't like a sidewalk, a street, a bridge, a police department. It's part of the city, but not part of the city. I don't know. Maybe it's my own impression, but it just seems like a week away. Uh, it seems that the engagement over this fundamental question seems less than it might have been. Maybe you see it in a different way. I think it's, it was, you know, in the best circumstance, it's going to be a low turnout for something like this. But I, I sense that there is a certain level of engagement. And I, I, the most interesting thing to me is people I talked to uh, in the Northland, which was assumed to be uh, the most skeptical right. about it, are saying that uh, they think that it's probably going to carry up there, that, that people have at least come around to it or have reconciled themselves to it or are so sick of it they just want right. to be done with it. If it passes in the Northland, it'll probably uh, pass. Steve, what's your own take on this? I, I want to get sort of a 30,000-foot look on this whole discussion before we bore into the details. What... Have we had a good conversation about the airport, or or has it been f- fits and starts, chaos, weirdness, and and boredom and, and disengagement at the end? <laughs> it's it's been a better conversation about KCI this time around than say two years ago. Um, you know, my feeling was a couple years ago you had a you know the city hall apparatus that was talking about the airport in these ways that didn't really hold up. You know, we we were hearing that you know security was a huge concern. We were being told that there were these environmental issues that were uh, cr- you know really boring down on the city from the EPA. Right. The runoff from the de-icers and all that stuff. We were told a lot of that, you know, a lot of these kind of, uh, uh, I I referred to it at the time as sort of the sky is falling approach about KCI. And I think that really stirred up a lot of skepticism that was very vocal, very present, and very frequent. And I feel like this time around the, the you know, the, the, the proponents are, are sticking to a slate of ideas about why there should be a new terminal that's more realistic, that's more accurate, more rooted in reality. And it's been they've been a little bit more calm about it. I mean there was there used to be sort of this feeling I would get when I would when I would talk to some of these folks, it was sort of like, Well the people who don't people who are, aren't are for idiots. This, they're idiots. They don't get right, it. They're right. they're unenlightened. And you're not really hearing as much of that conversation. Uh, it, it, it feels like a much more honest conversation that's being had about KCI, and I think that's probably gone a long way toward 
getting people who are skeptical to listen. Well, that's the interesting the thing, isn't it? That that that, uh, and we've all remarked on this that a year ago, uh, the attitudes toward the airport were quite different. And, and we do seem to have turned a corner into a discussion that people realize that something needs to be done rather than don't touch it. Do you see that as well? I mean, that and maybe that calmer approach had played some role in that. Right. Well, and what, what's always hard to tell in these conversations when we're talking about municipal elections where, you know, the polling isn't quite as robust as what we would see in, say, a state or federal race. Um, a lot of what I hear... I put I put in the the, the anecdotal drawer. Um, it's and, hard and the echo chamber drawer. There's certainly a big echo chamber, and there always has been with this topic, which makes it even harder for someone in a position like myself and Bill and others. Uh, you hear from the echo chamber more often than you hear from the couple, you know, talking about this topic over dinner. And it's real, you know, there there is a broader voting public out there that. You know, it, it is difficult to tell really where they are on this. Right, and, and maybe you know, the and, and Bill, maybe they're not skeptical of the need for a new airport or even the project, but they do distrust City Hall. They do think that maybe this is not a high priority item. There's still skepticism about the financing mechanism, and certainly the battle this summer over awarding the contract would play into that fear, right? That, that the City Hall really is pulling a fast one on the public. That's got to be one of the biggest fears of the proponents of this of this measure. Right. But I, I also think that my impression is that the opposition has not gotten much traction at all. And I think the, I think because there's no tax increase Precisely. on the table here. I mean, that's so important. That, tears, that tears the legs right out of any real opposition. Right. I mean, the, the, the me. usual sort of anti-tax guys that you would expect have sort of done half-hearted attempts to push back against this. Because, but, but because there's a sense that the public won't, if you don't fly, it's not going to cost you anything. It's much harder to make that case. The other thing I noticed, I looked at the fundraising, eight-day fundraising report yesterday. Every major sort of interest group in Kansas City has given to this campaign labor the legal community, the business community, the political community. I mean, they're all, you you don't, there's no significant voting block in Kansas City. Even the east side African-American groups, with the exception maybe of the Black Chamber, they're on board. I mean, you didn't ever get, I mean, I think we all expected some sort of formal pushback from some groups, but we never saw that develop, did we? No, but there's a lot of money on the table here. That, you know, there's a big payday and, and big for jobs everyone. For, for everyone. When you drop a billion dollars into a place like this in terms of construction and design and all the ancillary jobs that come with it, I mean, I, I can see why you're, you're, people are stepping up because this, right. you don't get these kinds of paydays. All the time. Oh, all time. And, and the other thing, Steve, is the airlines are on board. I mean, you don't they're not sort of wrestling with this. They've, in fact, said not only will we help out, and I think I saw yesterday Southwest gave $50,000 to the campaign, but, but they've said renovation, which is the other sort of option that people have talked about, is not good enough for what they want to do either. I mean, that's been critical, hasn't it, in this, right. in this thing? Yeah, and I've had a few conversations now with uh, different executives at Southwest, including you know, the CEO and the chairman. Um, and yeah, their feeling really is, look, we're not necessarily in the habit of just throwing money away on vanity projects. You know, we, we're, we're going to put a lot of money into this. And we see the new terminal as being important enough that the risk, you know, 
risk meaning the money that they're going to pay to use this thing every single year uh, is worth is worth the investment. The investment's worth the risk, I should say, right. um, because they feel strongly enough that look, our our options are pretty limited with the the current airport, and they're they're they're, they're very eager to admit that they won't guarantee new flights, and I press them on that all the time. And they'll say, you know, we can't guarantee new flights. We don't know what fuel prices are going to be like in a year. We don't know what the economy is going to do. But we can safely say that our growth is limited uh, with the current configuration. Right. That's the argument that we've heard all along. It's not that we can add flights, but it, under the current configuration, that will never happen because we just can't, can't – the, the facilities aren't there for what we want to do. Right. And a lot, of it, a lot of it comes from the ability to connect flights through Kansas City, which they say, given the current configuration, is just – impractical it's yeah. not con- customer friendly and you know if, if you're able to connect more flights through kansas city what that means for kansas Cityans is that you know there could be more options if they're able to pull yeah. that What's off the strongest argument you've heard against the airport have you had one that you thought well boy if they just had some money and could get this out that it would really sw- swing a lot of the votes well i think it carries back the the argument carries back to what was present a year ago when they when the mayor pulled the plug on this conversation, you know, right before we all thought this was heading towards an election in 2016, you know, there's some polling that said, you know, the main thing that was in that poll, it wasn't a yes or no question. It was really, do you think that KCI, a single terminal, should be a top city priority? And a lot of people said no. Uh, they said that they did not think it should be a city priority, that there's a lot of basic services that they need to get to before. Right. You know, there's a whole list of things that they need to get to before they get to the terminal. Uh, you know, there's also been some citizen satisfaction surveys that found that people, a pretty sizable majority of people like KCI right. the way it is. The other, the other thing to keep in mind that I've told people is, while it is true that taxpayers aren't on the hook, that the financing will be done, uh, we believe, privately, unless there's another vote, you are still, in some ways, taking a billion dollars out of the economy and and allocating it to this deal, as opposed to where something else where that money might go. Now, not tax money, but it, you know, corporations are going to pay more for tickets and parking's going to cost more. It isn't a free airport, is it, Bill? I mean, people think they jump from this no taxpayer cost to somehow we're getting this for free. That's no, not the, there's, there's no, opportunity cost connected with money. There's no all the free time. lunch. Yes. And, and even though that there isn't tax money going into this, there's time and energy and attention and political capital that is being spent by the city leadership in trying to get that. And that's political capital and time and energy that could have gone into other right. things. Although I've argued, you know, one of the reasons to vote yes is to get this off the table so we're not mm-hmm. wrestling with it for another five years because it has sucked up a lot of the oxygen on other important things. But you raised, Bill, an interesting point. Um, you know, we, we were told after the bond elections that that uh, the bond election in April that uh, Mayor James was king. You know that he could do no wrong. That he was the most popular person in Kansas City, and he has taken a role in the campaign. But give us your own impression. My my impression is that he's been less visible in this effort than maybe we thought he would be early on. Do you? I mean, is he? Do we, does the city see him as still the point person on this stuff? I think he's still spending a, a, a decent amount of time, but he's also been out of town a little bit more than I thought he would have been right. during this period. He went to Des Moines for a couple of days for this Democratic Party event. He was in Los Angeles last week for at least three nights uh, at an Urban Land Institute conference. Right. and. I, I mean, he got involved in the Amazon HQ2 project right. sort of visibly. 
And, and, yeah. and my own view is I think he f- still feels upset by the Burns and McDonald outcome and has not invested completely. Do you, do you, do you agree with that or not? I think so. I, but I also I think he's he's still upset about that, upset mostly at the Star Editorial Board and, <laughs> and, and members of the council. Um, but I think he um, I think he understands, though, that this will be a big chunk of his legacy and, and that he wants to you know, resolve this yeah. and be able to move uh, on. Steve, what's your view? How does Sly James come out of this uh, out of this debate? Well, he certainly he, he, he certainly sh- needs to own the frankly the debacle that was the procurement process. I mean, he had a hand in that for sure. Uh, you know, trying to do the no bid contract with Burns and McDonnell, and then some of the stumbling that occurred after that. Um, but I think people will forget uh, a lot of that if this thing gets passed. Now, how much credit they ascribe solely to him? Um, you know, I think there's a lot of other people who could take credit for finally getting this boulder over there, uh, this big boulder like over who? the hill. Like who? I mean, you know, I do think there's a sort of a, a narrative that's emerged that, well, at least Burns and McDonald put this back on the table, which I think is a little weird myself. But Yeah, I mean, it was always going to come back on yes. the table, uh, you know, so, you know, to say that it was all Burns and McDonald. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, Julie Justice deserves some credit on this. I mean, she's been front and center in this. She's been the one taking a lot of the tough questions as she had a hand in the procurement process as well. And, you know, she had to face the television cameras and reporters' notepads at times when the mayor wouldn't. Right. Um, you know, other people who should get some credit on this if it passes are Tim Cowden and Joe Reardon. Tim Cowden, uh, the chief executive of the KCADC, Joe Reardon, the president of the chamber. They've been putting a lot of miles on their shoes and their cars to talk to a lot of different constituencies on this, Yeah, uh, which is something that the business community, I feel like in the past, has not been quite as good at during certain city initiatives. They kind of say, well, yeah, we endorse this and then kind of leave it at that. And, right. um, you know, those those two gentlemen in particular uh, have done a lot of work to yeah. try to educate people I would on this. Th- I, the other tip of the cap, if there is one, if it passes, might go to the selection committee, which picked Edgemore Infrastructure as the successful bidder, and the council went with it. Because you can you get the sense that had the committee picked Burns and Mack, that Burns and Mac would have been an issue up until the November election and secret backroom deals and all that other stuff, and and that AECOM, if it had been picked as the as the successful bidder, might have been the subject of a lot of anger from Burns and Mac and lawsuits and other things. By going with Edgemore, it seemed as if they the the council took that air out of that whole. Uh, discussion, Bill. Do you think that's right, that, that the pick of Edgemore may have made this a more successful campaign headed into into November? I so. think I think to, if Burns and McDonald had ended up getting this thing, I think you would, you'd hear a lot of discussion about council people being cowed by a big construction company right. in town. And, and you may have seen some council members actively be against it, or, or certainly the opposition mm-hmm. would have had a rallying point. Mm-hmm. And you can see that from some of the literature. They sort of wanted to say no bid backroom deal, which didn't turn out to be the case. So in retrospect, that seems to have been a pretty fortunate mm-hmm. uh, break. That they had, in, in essence, a third option to go to. You right. think that's right or not? Um, I do. I think that, I mean... I, 
no one will really know, you know, because no one was in the room. But my sense is that Edgemore was the least risky politically and in terms of optics. Right. Uh, I mean, it was essential to have that option, right, Steve? Because if it had been between Burns and Mac and AECOM, it would have been a very different decision and a very different campaign, in my view. Right. I think, and you and I have talked about this, I mean, you know, Burns and McDonald gets it, the opposition campaign writes itself. And you even saw there was some video clip that got posted on a, a, a thinly read blog that talked about, you know, corrupt backroom deal. But that thing doesn't really hold up because... It wasn't yeah, a corrupt went, backroom deal. It, it ended up going through a procurement, and they right. picked really kind of the unexpected, uh, the unexpected team. And right. you know, for for everything that you've mentioned, it uh, uh, it's held up. Yeah, go I ahead. I think that yeah. before everybody, everyone can take a victory lap yes, if this yes. thing wins. But after you break ground on a big project like this, there's a lot that can go wrong. Oh. And I think that people forget that this is a whole other realm that you're entering well now. we're almost out of time but the other thing bill is we actually talked about this today in the editorial board we still don't have a memorandum of understanding with edgemore uh, unlikely to have that unless you have different reporting before november 7th so you are asking voters to write a bit of a blank check uh, in terms of how this is going to work uh, between the city and Edgemore, community benefits and all the other things. So that, that remains a little bit unsettled. The design itself is the, the sketchiest of things. I mean, you, you know, they had three pictures or four or whatever it was, and, and oh boy, isn't that pretty. But, but people are really being asked to buy a, a bit of a flyer, to coin a phrase, on this new terminal. Is that right? A bit of a pig in a poke. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and there is something kind of... And if you had a formal opposition with some money right. <laughs> and some smarts, mm -hmm. you might be able to make that case, but it just never materialized. No, we don't really know how the financing is going to turn out. Yeah, we that's don't, another... We don't yeah. know how... You know the uh, the WBE MBE stuff is going to work out, and, and the financing is really important. Mm -hmm. I mean, we yeah. just hammered Burns and Mac for their financing structure, mm -hmm. and in essence, Edgemore will pursue something mm -hmm. yeah. similar in terms of not using you know public revenue bonds, at least as far as we can tell. Mm -hmm. That you know there are lots of unanswered questions still. There are. Yeah. The sketches had kind of a generic quality to yes. them, too. They kind of look like any airport USA when you get right down it looked to like, it. It's, you know, it looked like Edgemore was sort of, well, my homework is due by Friday, and I, I better go on the Internet pretty quick and start downloading some stuff. Your own view, Steve, in terms of the uh, un, um, unfulfilled information promises that we thought we might get by November 7th, I mean, that is uh, – something we need to keep our eye on if it passes. Yeah, and that's, you know, that, that unsettled nature that you point out is really a uh, direct outcome of the protracted and um, chaotic. chaotic procurement process that they followed. But, you know, you get a sense of, with a project of this magnitude um, that there's enough players involved that hopefully you can get a fairly, uh, at very least, utilitarian terminal out of it if this thing if this thing passes, um, you know, it'll be the job of the three of us sitting around this table to keep an eye on how the money's right, spent, no the per, uh, you know, cost overruns, things and The other nature. thing, just before we go, uh, you and I have talked about, which I think we, we should get on the record, is in some weird way, the lack of a memorandum of understanding actually strengthens the city's bargaining position vis-a-vis -vis Edgemore. If it does, if the if the airport doesn't pass, it's meaningless. But if it does, the city, in essence, has a one billion dollar project in its hands, and can go to Edgemore Wright, Steve, and say, 
you know, this is what we want. If you don't like it, we'll go to the next bidder in line. And we have a firm commitment for this project. It does, in some ways, in a weird way, make the city's bargaining position a bit stronger. Yeah, it's certainly, certainly true. And, you know, at the end of the day, Edgemore's working for a client. And, um, you know, these things, these are big, these are big projects. They don't go unnoticed by the rest of the world. And, you, right. You, know, you, 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 you hate to this. have that right. You have it in hand and then, in essence, lose it right. over an MBE or a WBE or some right. community benefits thing. Uh, you know, unless it's just outrageous, you could see the company sort of saying, okay, what do you need now that we have this going forward? Yeah, I, d- I was surprised a little bit, Bill, that Edgemore wasn't more f- front and center in the campaign as Burns and Mac. You know, Burns and Mac was running TV ads back in June. Well, that was you never got of, that from Edgemore. I had just gotten to town when Burns and Mac, I saw these Burns and Mac commercials. I, I had yeah, never seen anything like it. Yeah, it a, was poor. A, a, a contractor running this very polished paid media campaign to get a, to get a contract that was going to be decided on by a very small group of people. Right, it, just, right. it just seemed bizarre to a- me. And on the merits. It wasn't right. supposed to be a political right. decision. The whole yeah. point of having a procurement process mm-hmm. is you don't make it political. So and I think Burns compared to Burns and McDonald, anyone is going to appear a little soft-spoken yeah. and in the background <laughs> on this. I don't think that should be held against them. All right, quickly, uh, win or lose on Tuesday? Oh, boy. After last year... I don't know any journalist who should ever get into <laughs> get predicting that any election at any yeah. level anymore. If, but which I, side would you feel more comfortable on today? I, 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 I tend to think it, it will win, but not by a uh, not by a substantial margin. But it, but just takes fifty uh, percent plus one. Yeah. Unlike the bonds in April, what's your own view? Yeah, even even the 2016 elections notwithstanding, I've always thought that predicting municipal elections is a bit of a fool's errand because it just depends so much on who shows up and why. Um, clearly, I think it's safe to say that the momentum is moving in the direction of the yes vote, but you know the polling that I'm aware of, uh, to uh, without knowing you know all the quality control measures, it all suggests that it's going to be very close. Um, so if you just take the momentum side of things, it suggests that it may pass. But, uh, you know, I'm certainly not going to bet any dinners with anybody over Yeah, it. I agree with that. Although I will say, based again on my own experience, that when you have so many groups lined up on one side, I mean, you don't have any, you don't get the sense that there's any, not just an organization on the opponent's side, but any significant financial or logistical support. I mean, if you had labor, if you had... You know, someone, if you had the car dealers, you know, someone uh, that could come out and, and sort of focus the energy of the other side. But you don't sense that at all. And for that reason, I think it's it's probably going to end up passing on November 7th. Okay, Bill Turks, uh, thank you so much for being here. Steve Valkrot with the star, both of you. Thank you. Thanks, Thanks for, for having me. This. We'll see what happens on November 7th. I think we're going to try and do a wrap-up thing November 8th, so we'll be able to answer a lot of these questions as we go forward. Thanks yep. again, fellas. I'm Dave Helling with the Star's editorial board. You've been on Deep Background. Thank you.